Welcome to another thrilling episode of Truth and Reconciliation. It's the Bellwood Fantasy Football League podcast. He's Peter Elwood. I'm Seth Martin. It is great to have you with us. Peter, how are you, sir? Doing fantastic draft. Season is over. Mm. It is time for the real season mm-hmm. to begin. I am ready to dive into it. Ready to talk about our draft, to recap, to give out some grades. And uh, man, it was, it was just a, a great draft this sure year. Was. Uh, th- thanks to you for hosting, uh, having us having us over to your house. Uh, we ended up having five of us gathered there, but um, it was just a really excellent time. Uh, enjoyed playing some cards the night yeah. before. Yeah, congrats to you. Some, I noticed you're uh, not sporting that. your uh, poker fellows hat this, this morning. <laughs> I, I, I didn't go. Uh, didn't go grab it. It's, it's oh. forty five this morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Great, great food, great fellowship. Um, played some cards before, played some cards after. Yeah. And uh, that, was, that was all uh, a lot of fun. So yep. um, thanks thanks for hosting. Glad to do it and look forward to doing it again at some point. Uh, love Draft Weekend. Love the, as you said, the, the value of it is our community and what this community in the league has become. Uh, the ability to enjoy being friends first and then being fantasy football enemies second has been uh, a uh, work in progress and over a long time now. And, uh, I, 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 for whatever reason, we're never really clear on how many years we've been a league. It's a little fuzzy in the history books, but I kind of right. settle around oh, about a dozen, a little over a dozen, maybe 14 yeah. years. Yeah, this is probably year 13. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there was, so there was one year, I think where we were on Yahoo, um, and we weren't on ESPN and now I think that was 2008. Okay. Um, so I think first year in ESPN yep. with, was 2009. That was like with this group. Yep. Um, so I guess this would be year 14. And We've I got was that our team of the books. This is year 14. Was that our first auction draft in 2009? No, I just remember that I our first auction so. draft was in your first home. Yeah, there off of uh, was that one twenty one. Yeah, so it would it would not have been two thousand nine because okay. we, we weren't in there yet. So I'm guessing first auction draft might have been like twenty thirteen. Oh wow, much later than I expected. Twenty or twenty fourteen. Really? I was looking back at the history of who, who was in the lead at the time. Huh. Um, I don't remember ever doing an auction draft with Josh Glitz. Um, going, going, going back in time, and, and uh, he left the lead in 2014. So maybe the first auction draft was 2015. That late? No, yeah, maybe. Wow. Okay. Maybe. Man, I'm fuzzy. Well, all these. I mean, good thing we have all this statistical history at this point. It just gets Chris, a little... Chris Windsor would probably help because he joined the lead in 2012 or yeah. no, 20. Yeah. 2011, so maybe he did. Let's help get him us. on the we're, air. We're, we're, he's, yeah, he's probably we're, awake. He's just call yeah. up. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> you, you, didn't, you didn't prepare me for this question. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I asked before we went on the air. Is there anything we need to talk about before we? No, yeah, no, let's just get to it. We're professionals. We can do it on the fly. We'll do it on the air. Do it live. We'll do it live. So, uh, yes, it was a great weekend. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Kind of had its different. Uh, chapters, uh, different segments. The For me, it started uh, Thursday night with the cook uh, because that's when I started gathering and assembling and putting all the food stuffs together and started smoking meat. And then uh, Friday was 
uh, uh, El Dia de Preparacion uh, with the both cooking and, of course, getting the house ready uh, for hosting. Well, we ended up having about 25 guys for poker, which was a great night. A couple of new guys, a bunch of my neighbors. Uh, it was so much fun. And it was honestly fun for me as a host to see my worlds colliding going. I, I told you that half the guys in my poker fellows community consider themselves on the waiting list for the uh, Pellwood League, which was you were not disappointed. I think my buddy Michael Frinka was in your ear within like 10 minutes of you arriving, uh, uh, trying to elbow his way into uh, what he believes is first on the list of uh, our league, which I just tell everybody that. But hey, man, you're, you're first in line. Like, <laughs> that's just my, my standing line for anybody who asks. <laughs> that, that might be kind of a problem. But yeah, he was... He was in my ear early and often. I yeah. think that he brought it up about three times during yeah. the night. So, well, what they don't uh, know is that there's a fight to the death. Like everybody is in is in you know first in line <laughs> to Squid Games, and then we compete for the the victor of of the. And that's assuming there's turnover, which uh, has been few and far between in the history of the yeah. Hollywood League. So yeah, yeah. All so the more reason that uh, yeah. makes it the greatest fantasy league in the world. That's right. So that was fun. The chapter of poker was fun. Uh, 9.30 came really quickly in the morning uh, <laughs> after we were up till 3 or 4 the night before. Um, and uh, I, I did not think that uh, our buddy Brian was going to, <laughs> to make it. And at some point he got his wires crossed and thought it was at 9 a.m. Instead, instead of 9.30. And he busted into the studio like the Kool-Aid man, uh, with, albeit like bleary-eyed and still kind of delirious going, ah, ah. <laughs> and uh, we were going to, we were going to wake him up. We had decided that, Hey, this is a gentleman's league. We're going to wait until nine twenty nine, and we will wake him up. And that way he is present for the draft, but just very, very shook. That was kind of the, the thinking. Uh, Those were good guys like that. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, but what a great draft. I enjoyed being up in the studio for the draft and having the big board up on the screen with the, the Zoom with everybody in and uh, the trash talk abounding. It, it felt very present despite us being spread out across a few zip codes. And uh, that was fun. Draft finished, and I was pretty pretty tired. And I was thinking about golf going, man, we're about to spend the next four or five hours uh, out in the Houston humidity and in the drudgery because it's pretty soggy out. Uh, this is going to be sloppy. Like, this is going to be exhausting. And I'm already tired. And finally, some brave soul said, is this really what we're going to do? <laughs> Are we, we're not young men anymore. And the, uh, the suggestion, well, the, the rain, impending rain, I think was the deciding factor. But then the suggestion made of, y'all just want to like play cards and drink coffee. And everybody was like, yes, that sounds yep. like heaven. Yep. And so it was. We played spades and uh, drank coffee, enjoyed just hanging out. And it was the best day ever. So thanks to you uh, and, and all of you who commuted down for the long weekend with us. Thanks to, for your help in hosting and, and cleaning up and getting the house reset before my spouse got home. That was helpful. Uh, and uh, thanks for leading the greatest fantasy football league in the world and for setting up weekends like that. That was a blast. And congrats to oh. you, honestly, for your poker win. That was a well-played oh, well played game. Thank you. Thank you. And honestly, you, you did miss one chapter um, of, of the weekend, which was, uh, you know, Friday afternoon, the, the drop, the premiere oh. of the 30 for 30. Yeah. Um, 
that you, that you produced for your last place punishment, which was just, um, you know, it's kind of abrasive on a podcast, but I, I give you a slow clap here for, for that. That was, uh, it was very well done, very entertaining. Uh, definitely started the weekend off right, and I think we all we all are better for it. And uh, uh, d- d- I mean, just c- couldn't have asked for more from uh, the last place punishment and the the resulting video of it. So thanks, thanks great. very much. I I appreciate your words. I appreciate you bringing it up. Um, I. I would have had you not. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I, I appreciate that I didn't have to. I mean, uh, <laughs> everyone, everyone likes to talk about their babies. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I have some concern now and not out of like humble brag, uh, you know, pat myself on the back for setting the bar too high. Um, but I do believe that incidentally there, there may be this sense of you have to match or go beyond. And I just want to be really clear. I don't think any of y'all have the resources that I do to pull off such a thing. And, and as, as Chris uh, Windsor pointed out, like of all the last place people for, for, for this to happen to, it got it pretty, you know, on the nose for it to land on my shoulders. Uh, you know, obviously out of happenstance, not, not anything else, uh, but for it to fall on my shoulders that I got to be the one to make the first big video. Uh, and that was fun. And I did want to set up a, a high bar. I wanted to, uh, you know, invest in the league and show my commitment to it. I also wanted to uh, have some sort of redemption from a deplorable league performance last year, a deplorable presence or activity as well as uh, just overall uh, fantasy failure. So there was a lot of motive wrapped up inside that. And I honestly wanted to to not totally suck at the NFL combine workout. Uh, And so there was a lot, a lot of motivation inside that, but all that to say, please don't let that be the thing that uh, that that discourages you because it is a choice to forfeit your keeper or to do our last place punishment and perform a video. And we do not expect it to look like uh, what I do for a living. <laughs> so <laughs> it's okay if it's a cell phone video. Just do your best. Uh, and I'm I'm talking to the other eleven of you, who will one of you will lose this year. Obviously, I, I'm not expecting a, a repeat, um, and I haven't really allowed myself to think about that now that now that I'm now that I'm arriving to that moment on the air. Uh, I don't think I could talk myself. So uh, maybe we should well, change the the punishment each year just to keep the video interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- We'll have to uh, brainstorm a little bit. Maybe you, uh, maybe you're, you've changed the game on your own here, and uh, we'll have to see if we can do something different. Yeah. Well, we've got about fifty minutes more. If you want to keep talking about my video, that's I'm great with that. We could just uh, we, we could. I was, th- I was thinking we could pivot though, and, <laughs> and uh, let, let's jump into the, the reason true. we're here. This is the let's most about the draft. anticipated podcast episode of the season. It is, of course, the post draft rankings and gradings where you and I. We'll dive deep into the statistical analysis and dive deeper into our own personal biases. Uh, So with that in mind, any uh, umbrella comments about the 2022 auction draft of the Pellwood League? I mean, every year coming out of the draft, it's like, well, I had a plan and then I got punched in the face. (laughs) Yeah. And then I got punched in the face. So um, I feel like that's, that's the way it went. I feel like that's how, a lot of people walk away from the draft feeling. I think the auction draft and, and the way our, our league has got the point we've gotten to with the auction draft 
the still everyone has the strategy everyone has the approach everyone has you see some consistent themes but i think because of the rise in the level of ability i don't know if anyone walks away from the draft thinking i love my team i think i sure hope more not. Than, <laughs> that mo- would make me more, feel so much better i think mo- most guys walk away from the draft being like ah i screwed that up that sucks but everyone feels that way because it's hard it's hard so to get hard. a a loaded team um in the auction draft format especially and um there's always guys that you wish you'd clicked one dollar more on and sometimes there's guys that you realize you bid too much on and you got to the point of like oh wait what am i doing here and then all of a sudden the clock runs out and he's yours you know so um the, there are those pivotal moments that you feel those emotions of whoops and then you walk with the draft feeling like the whole thing was a whoops but um no i don't know if i talked to anyone who loved their team uh coming out of the draft i talked to several guys i don't know if i talked to anyone who loved their team so i think that that's a really uh unique thing about it is that we all feel like we sucked a little bit um even though um some sucked more than others I certainly hope so because that is how I feel. And as you said, it's just hard. And we have a, a very astute league. Uh, everybody has gotten sharp and skilled inside the draft. It, it's escalation at its at its finest, uh, where the the weapons have evolved and everybody is rising to the challenge. And it just makes it very very difficult. That being said, there are some standout drafts with some different factors involved here, and I'm excited to get into the nitty gritty of that. But we also had some uniquenesses this year in, and I would say surprises in our spending in the economy. We've talked about it briefly uh, offline, Pete. But what is your what surprised you about the 2022 draft? I think in terms of how dollars got spent, what was most surprising was that we spent more on quarterbacks this year than any year going back to 2016. Mm-hmm. So um, since 2017 through 2021, the average dollars spent on quarterback across the league was $95. This year we spent 152 yep. by my, by my account. So um, you know, it's a 50, not like a 50% increase in spend on quarterbacks this year. And that could be tied to, um, you know, Russell Wilson and there's a bidding war for Russell Wilson that kind of got, uh, into crazy territory where he ended up being the second price, second highest priced quarterback overall. Yeah. And I think in general, he's ranked probably around, you know, the six, seven, eight range. Um, so that, that was, that was kind of funny and, and unique and that drove up a little, but I think overall it just shows that, um, where for several years, the strategy was spend very little on quarterback to save that money to uh, go somewhere else. Well, now there's kind of like a, a clear top, you know, eight, top 10 right. quarterbacks right. that we feel is going to be more predictable. And you want to have one of those guys to compete. Yeah. That's right. Right. Um, so that's why we're seeing the higher spending now on quarterback is because um, people want that certainty. So they're kind of spending for that certainty. So I I found that to be interesting. I think that's a great observation. And one of the things that I I think you're right on is, is actually the commentary about how the 
uh, position of quarterback or the value inside it has kind of evolved over the past couple of years. Uh, you, I feel like in the past it was, you know, your top running back, or excuse me, your, your top quarterback was basically a touchdown producer. And that's what you were going for is you were trying to get the guy who could guarantee you three, four touchdowns a game, like a, a Tom Brady in his, in his heyday, or even Aaron Rodgers putting up massive or Peyton Manning back in the day or whatever. Uh, and then it was kind of a dramatic drop from from there uh, down to just your passing quarterbacks. Now it's this who uses their legs is a huge consideration. Uh, you want a quarterback that can get in there and run the ball in. Uh, you know, you, you want the quarterback who takes the option on a uh, a red zone play and is going to really bruise the ball and and also can make magic and throw it. And so that quarterback is evolving and uh, getting younger in the NFL. Uh, and so the value of our quarterbacks are, are younger guns than they ever have been used to. We, I wouldn't trust a, a younger quarterback. I, I, I remember like a Vince Vaughn coming in. He would be a quarterback that I would have said uses his legs and takes hits, but has a good arm. But I'm not going to draft him. Uh, well, one, he played for the Titans. But two, I'm, I'm not going to draft him early on and sure enough he's kind of an nfl washout after first year he didn't fit in the system at that point i feel like the the type of quarterback that is valued now uh has changed and because of that we saw a reflection of that in our draft dollars counterpoint no i, I think i think actually you did say vince vaughn and you meant vince young which i is, said vince uh, vaughn that's yeah. amazing yeah he played yeah, didn't he uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, which movie did vince vaughn play you know vince vaughn then? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I, I think that's right. I think and then, uh, there were there were some specific players that I thought went for interesting prices uh, compared to what I expected. But I think we'll do is those as we as we go through each each team, we can yeah. um, call those out. So uh, let's just get into it. Let's start let's start with uh, with your team as we go in nomination order as right. usual, and um, let's uh, crack it crack it open. So. Um, you know, right off the top, your keeper was Derrick Henry for $64. And I, I just, I, I have to ask about the keeper decision because yep. I, there's no way I would have ever kept Derrick Henry for $64. Yep. Um, you know, my question is, what other options were you considering? Why did you decide to go with Derrick Henry? Because sure. to me, that's, that's keeping him from more than he's worth. No, no value. Right. Um, uh, and, and possibly more than he's worth. So going into the draft, I knew I had two options. I knew that uh, I was either going to, well, I actually technically had, I had three. I'll, I'll go with that. I could keep uh, Leonard Fournette, and that would be the obvious keeper with the, the most value and bang for buck and would be kind of a traditional draft going, okay, here's my uh, $2 play, get, I don't know, $30, $35 worth of value. What do you think? Somewhere in yeah, there? Yeah, somewhere in there. And, uh, use that value to roll into whatever my strategy is, whether it's a top running back, go for the number one running back with that seed uh, or uh, go for a top five and spread that out and maybe get um, a top player in a QB position or maybe go for Kittle or something like that. That would be kind of the, the classic keeper uh, you know, dream keeper kind of move. And that was, that was the obvious play. And what was weird to me was that it's like, I don't want to give away that I'm thinking about that because then I'm just going to get value driven up on the top running backs as soon as they come up and I'm going to overpay even more. So I'm like, I'm not going to 
tip my my hand to that being the play. Uh, and apparently, uh, at least Brock was uh, definitely scourging me uh, on the uh, on, on the back channels. A little bit of gossip. Surprisingly, thought this was a gossip-free league, uh, honestly, but it, it sounds like there was a lot of pre-draft chatter uh, and confusion that was uh, degrading my character, which I feel like my video did enough of that uh, as it was, didn't, didn't really feel necessary, but that's okay. Um, but I, I, even you were testing me uh, right before the draft, and I was like, I'm not going to tell you like why I kept who I kept or who I was even thinking about because I don't want to tip how I'm going to spend my money as I go into the draft. So you were like, like, like at 8 a.m. we're grabbing our coffee, and you're like, so, so who else, who else were you thinking? I'm like, this is a test, <laughs> so I'm just not going to go into it. And you were like, Mixon, and I was like, yeah, Mixon, that's it, you got me. <laughs> and, and <laughs> so I was like, what makes you think I'm going to tell you like what what's going into this at this point before the draft? So I, if I'm sounding defensive, I'm sorry, because I don't think I made the right choice, but there was some logic to it. Uh, in, hi- in hindsight, uh, I definitely didn't make the right choice based on our, our low spending on running backs. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, so it was either Fournette or it was going to be who I went with in Derrick Henry. And the thinking of that was going, OK, if I really want uh, a top three running back, what do I think they will be going for? So I went back and looked at what our top three running backs go for, and they were going for north of 67 to even $76. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. like, I was going, okay, so $64 is, is not that bad of a price to pay for a top three running back, at least historically speaking. Is it overvalued for Henry based on his – yeah, maybe, but he does look better this year even than he did last year. So I was thinking, okay – I could I can save let's say I save ten dollars there plus I have nine dollars extra that gives me nineteen dollars and a and a running back that I actually want like I don't love Leonard Fournette this year I really don't uh, so I get the the running back that I really want for some value or at least for a trade off value because I have extra dollars to go and then I'll have money to spend on uh, positions like a waterfall like I normally would. So that was my debate, and it was a, a very difficult debate that I hadn't even decided until Friday uh, when you said, text me your keeper, and I was like, well, this is it. Um, and I was basically going, I could be safe or I could be risky. I'm going risky, and I did it, and then I was, I think I matched the, the, the priciest running back in my keeper choice, and I was like, well, that was the wrong call. <laughs> so there's the backstory. There's the history of it. Uh, I, uh, I definitely kind of like, uh, the, uh, the, the questioning of my character that I believe Windsor posed in the, the group chat on Friday when the video hadn't dropped yet. He asked like, is this even going to happen? Did you even film? And I was like, do you know who I am? Like I, I was, I was genuinely offended that that was even a question mainly because I knew what was about to drop, obviously. Uh, yeah. and, uh, but secondly, because I, uh, just, like you know me come on uh and that was kind of how i felt about the the challenge of my keeper choice is that uh, there was some incentive or sorry some some insinuation that i'm you know i may be I maybe dumb like it may have been the wrong choice but i'm not an idiot uh i, I there was strategy uh, i'm not unaware of 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 what i have so 
That's how I felt. So forgive, okay. for, forgive, right. forgive me if I sound a little arms crossed right now. I, I don't mean to. I just I've taken a lot of shots in the past six months, and I'm, I'm still <laughs> still coming back here. All right, all right. I, I, I won't push on it too hard. I, 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 I think you played yourself a little bit. It sounds like you did some mental gymnastics um, in, in that decision. Yeah, and uh, I, th- I think you know it was it was not the right choice mm-hmm. from the moment we made it, but then seeing how the draft went just, you know, further compounded that, uh, and and, and emphasized that. So, um, all right. So, uh, anyway, moving on, um, as you got into the draft, um, so did you have a set plan in terms of where you were going with particular positions or where you, where you wanted to spend your remaining dollars? Uh, I was going to go for a, I, I, the only, I mean, I had a few targets. I knew I was going to spend a little bit more on the tight end this year than I had in the past. Um, and I knew that I was going to be running back heavy, uh, this year, but I didn't actually have a, I really wanted a top wide. I was really bummed that I got outbid on digs as my top wide and I was really bummed because we got into a little bit of a bidding war on him and I I didn't have the cash. I was going to bankrupt myself uh, early and I didn't want that to happen again. I, I've, I've felt that in the past and I was already cash deficit because of my expensive keeper. So I was just like, I can't, I can't push that. But I did want digs a lot this year. So other than that, uh, I ended up having a lot of middle of the road targets and I got uh, probably four of them that I wanted. Um, I was not expecting Josh Jacobs uh, at seven dollars. I'm, I'm happy with that. Like that's a fine choice, but it did solidify my uh, or, or it took away the last of my spending power. So I ended up with you know dollar bench players as opposed to having options through my targets. So I, I missed out yeah. on most of my bench targets, and that's obvious in my team because I have strength in the starting lineup and uh, some you know bargain bin uh, bench right now. So. Yeah, that, 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 it's really tough to thread that needle of having a balance of you want to spend your money early so you can get some of the good players, mm-hmm. but then you still want to save some for the, the end game as well so that you have some optionality and you can still get some guys you want instead of just being at the mercy of, well, I'm going to put this guy up for a dollar yeah. and hope everyone falls asleep <laughs> yeah. and, and I can get them, but then all those guys go for two, three, four, you know, sometimes six, seven, eight dollars. Right. Um, uh, you know, when it, when it's guys that, that everyone else likes too, that are, you know, options for, for your bench or, um, you know, kind of maybe some guys will be good later in the season and that, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, you, you spent early and, uh, ended up running out probably quicker than you wanted to, um, which is, uh, puts you in a tough spot for the, the back half of the draft. Yep. Um, this is really what ends up happening is that you don't make any picks until everyone else is done. Um, basically, uh, because you just have to wait until it's your turn to nominate someone and you're putting up guys that, I mean, really no one else is bidding on at that point because right. they're either filled out their roster or they're, you know, saving their $2 for someone else. Right. Yeah. And, and you kind of are at the mercy of the draft order at that point and yep. based on who's paying attention and then kind of positional priorities too of yep. who wants what when. Yep. All right, let, let's let's give it a grade and, and move on. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just uh, I, I don't want to be too rough. Are you about to disclaim your grade towards I, me? I'm I'm ready to give you a D 
on this yeah. one. All right. I, I, this is, I think you don't, well, I just look at, look at what you have. You don't have the, the depth um, nope. it, on the bench. And you, I don't think you do in the starting lineup either, considering we start three wide receivers and two flexes. Um, like you've got Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon left at running back. You've got Tyreek Hill at wide receiver. Um, after that, it did, like for your flex options, it gets pretty weak in terms of wide receiver three, flex one, flex two. I think it's all uh, it's pretty weak. So um, that's I'm going with a D. Yeah, I gave myself a C minus. Okay. All right. Next up is Chris Windsor. So he he came into the draft with two hundred twenty dollars available. Um, and so he obviously spent all that and, uh, he, um, was able to load up and he didn't spend more than $38 on anyone, which I found to be interesting considering he had the most coming into the draft. I thought he would be spending one of the top, you know, two or $3 amounts. Um, he, he could have even gone for two of the really high price guys. He just spent, you know, 70 on one guy and 60 on another guy and still been okay. Um, and so he went with a, a much more balanced approach yeah. um, than I probably expected. So here we see a, a different kind of team than what you have, because I think he's got, you know, startable, pretty quality players across all his yep. running back wide receiver and flex positions. Yep. Um, and so very, very interesting. And this is where uh, what I was talking about earlier of seeing some themes of how people drafted mm-hmm. carries over from year to year, because this is kind of how Chris has drafted where he doesn't spend his money early, no, he's but he ends up with, he ends up with a really, really strong balanced team yep. um, at the end of it. And yep. so I think very similar uh, draft this year. Yeah. He's had a, you know, superstar keeper that's helped him do that. Uh, he's had the benefit of it. So he hadn't had to buy, you know, those top running backs typically pop out pretty early in the draft to drain some of the cash from the, the pool. Uh, but the I, Chris is, I think this was masterful. I look at his team and I envy it. I, uh, I think he did a really good job spending his money. And even then, his, his value uh, that he was able to get was still pretty formidable. Like uh, he does not have a poorly valued. In fact, let's look, he, um, he is ranked uh, ninth in, in, in value and he had a lot more cash. And so he didn't uh, use his cash frivolously uh, is what I'm saying in terms of going, Oh, I've got the money. I'll just spend an extra dollar or two here. He still maintained a sense of responsibility when it came to paying uh, for, for value players. So I was impressed by that. Um, I, I really like uh, a lot of his picks. I just appreciate how steady he was through the draft and I have him ranked as my number two team this year with an A plus. All right. I'm giving him a B plus because I do think I would have liked to see more of a round one round two kind of player. Um, here, I think in terms of if you're thinking about like a snake draft, like a top 24 player, mm-hmm. I don't think he has any top 24 players, um, which I think protects you from injury risk where you're not dependent on those guys, but I think it also limits the upside. So I'm going to be plus, I expect he'll be, you know, somewhere around the what, fourth or fifth favorite uh, team. All right. All right. Moving on to a Chewy. Uh, uh, Chewy started with $200 and uh, kept Austin Eckler for 41 high price pay for a keeper, but still got some value there, yeah. I think. Yeah. And Chewy made some picks that I really liked during the draft. 
he probably had more pits that I thought were a good value than anyone else. Him, him or Jared Fleming, I think, um, also had a bunch of picks that I thought were a really good value during the draft. Um, and Chewy kept pitching off wide receivers that I was like, man, I wish I had the money to pay for that, but I just yeah. I couldn't, but I couldn't budget them anymore. But he got um, Allen Robinson for eighteen, Terry McLaurin for twenty-two, Deontay Johnson for seventeen, Brandon Ayuk for six. Um, I thought those were all really good um, prices to pay for those wide receivers. So uh, I like his wide receiver room. He did um, wait a long time on quarterback. So I think he is weak at quarterback um, kind of middle of the road on tight end. And, um, but wide receiver is definitely a strength, uh, a strength for him. Yep. Uh, I, I agree. He, I have him ranked uh, fourth in value this year. So I do think he made a lot of really good value picks, but he is, on the uh, wide receiver side of uh, the, the the scale for sure. Chewy ended up spending $117 on wide receivers, which is ranked second by my calculation here in terms of spending on wides, um, and only spent $71 on running backs. Uh, that is more commentary on our running back uh, economy than it is on his spending, but he ended up spending the least on QB. And so I, I think you're right. I think that's, that is where his hole is. But Chris is such a formidable drafter, and he has so much knowledge in terms of talent and in terms of depth that uh, I still think his team uh, is extremely well built uh, and balanced. I gave him uh, rank six and a B plus. I'm debating uh, a B plus or a minus, but I think I'm going to go with a B plus here because of the quarterback. I, I think mm-hmm. uh, you know it's good to zig when others are zagging, right? But the quarterbacks he took, Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr, are such classic pocket passing, touchdown dependent quarterbacks that mm-hmm. I do think, and the quarterback is such a high scoring position. I do think that puts him at a little bit of a disadvantage. And I, uh, I got to dock him a little bit for that. So I'm going to go with the B plus. All right. All right. Next up is Brock who started with the least amount of draft dollars with 180. He kept Debo Samuel for 19. And then it got interesting for Brock, I think because of um, this, this one was a little bit different um, than how I would say Brock would normally draft. Uh, I think he tried to do, a similar approach to what he's done in years past and save his draft budget towards later in the draft where he could scoop up some values um, when everyone else had spent most of their money. But I think that the ability to trade auction draft dollars and him starting with a lower budget than everyone else made that strategy hard. And so he tried to execute his normal strategy, but ended up being limited to do that because he didn't have as much money as everyone else. And guys like Chris Winter and Ryan Kidd ended up doing similar things and had more money at the end. So they were able to get a lot of guys that I think Brock probably would have wanted to get. So, um, you know, I don't think Brock made any really bad buys. Um, I was surprised when he went for David Montgomery. Um, <laughs> might be two years in a row that someone's draft got a little messed up by pitching David Montgomery in the, in the, the $22 range. I think that's about what he went for last year as well. So, um, and kind of a, a surprise and unexpected um, there. So I don't think really any you know, egregious picks. I just think the he couldn't execute his strategy the way he has been able to in years past. 
Yeah. I think that that sounds like a really good summary. I there I look at a couple of his players and I I'm going, yeah, I I Love to have them on my team. Uh, at this point, obviously, Leonard Fournette would be one of those. Uh, but I do think he ended up overpaying uh, a little bit for him, but I, I'm not sure exactly what, what everybody valued him on. Uh, he had a great keeper, though, uh, and that, that is a, uh, a good setup. Like you said, I don't know if he really leveraged it. And he's taking a few more risks than I would have, maybe like on David Montgomery, uh, Dak Prescott. Those are those are some question abilities that uh, I I wonder are they going to do great? But he ended up with two flex question question uh, questionable uh, quarterbacks between Dak and, and A. Rod this year. So uh, I and even Julio Jones, uh, just some some more questions than anything else. Uh, but he did really well on value for for the remainder of his draft. So. Uh, I have Brock ranked at number. Wait for it. I have Brock ranked at number ten this year with a C plus. I did with a C plus as well, and I'll just add one comment. I think he did do a good job of dating some guys who have upside towards the back of the draft. He mm-hmm. went for some rookie wide receivers: Traylon Burks and Tristan, Tristan Watson, Watson yeah. um, Sky Moore. And then I, I think today's Tony, yeah, yeah, and today's Tony's got some upside as well. And then Zamir White could um, could be a, a, a late season running back coming on. So I think he's got a, a lot of upside in the back of the draft, which I think is what you want from those uh, those bench statues. So uh, good job there, but still overall giving a C plus on this one. All right, moving on to Michael. Michael is the only one to keep a quarterback this year. He started with $190 of budget, and um, he spent um, spent bid on running back. He got Najee Harris for 57 and Saquon Barkley for 51 um, Then he took Mark Andrews for 39 and then he wasn't able to spend more than $10 on anyone else. And so his top wide receiver is Amari Cooper, and followed... I Tyler Lockett, Garrett Wilson, King Galladay. I mean, it's didn't come bare bones on the wide receiver list here. So uh wide receiver is a big hole for right. Michael, where he's really strong at running back, tight end, and quarterback. Um, I, I don't think you'll find a weaker wide receiver room, both in terms of uh talent and points scored this year, as well as um dollars spent right. uh in the draft. So um, that that really stands out, especially when we've got those two flex positions. We are a PPR lead. It, I think it will get hard to compete uh, when you're sitting um, beat at wide receiver week in and week out. Um, so we'll see if he can find some value, uh, some something off the waiver wire to fill those wide receiver holes. Um, maybe Garrett Wilson uh, is better than I think he is. Maybe Kenny Dalladay isn't total dust. Mm-hmm. Um, same for Marvin Jones Jr. Maybe Odell Beckham signs with the team at some point so. and re- recovers strongly from his ACL injury in the Super Bowl last year. Maybe so. Um, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think that that's going to be a, a deciding factor for Michael's season is the lack of strength in his wide receiver room. Can we can we praise him for only drafting two New York Giants though? <laughs> he did uh, spend only twenty dollars on wides by my calculations, which is the the lowest of any uh, in our league by a spread. Uh, highest spent uh, was Jared. Lar- uh, nope, highest spent was Chris Windsor. Uh, and by comparison, he spent one dollar less on running backs than I did. I spent one nineteen. 
And even then, uh, I spent $55 on wide. So uh, definitely a, a big hole there. And even then, of those that he spent money on, there's, like you said, a lot of, of questions on uh, will they resurge or not. And because of that, uh, I do think he's got uh, some upside in some strength positions, which bump him up to rank eight in our league. I gave him a B minus. Yeah, I was just looking back in history. So he's, he spent 20 on wide receivers um, this year. Uh, so see, how, how, how does that compare to the like, lowest wide receiver spend yeah, ever? Good question. Um, I, I've got six years of draft history. So um, last year, Charles spent 22 on wide receivers. The year before that, Charles spent 16 on wide receivers. The year before that, Charles spent 22 on wide receivers. So Does Charles uh, know it, this is a PPR league? Has anybody told him? Does Charles make the playoffs every year. Uh, so maybe, maybe I should change my maybe, stance a little bit. Maybe but, we're but, wrong. Uh, <laughs> but I, I did not realize three years in a row, Charles spent 22 um, or 16 or $22 on wide receivers. Not this uh, year. That's three years. Back in 2018, Charles spent $174 on wide receivers. Um, so that was his first year in the league. So I guess he, he lost a lot um, that year and um, decided he's not going to spend on wide receivers anymore. And so that's oh. what, uh, that's what he did until this year. He doubled uh, down we're this not, year. We're not talking about Charles. We're talking about Michael. So I'll just say, you can compete spending this little on wide receivers. I don't love it. I'm going to go with a C minus. All right. And you you said B minus. I Michael, did say right? B minus. Okay. All right. All right. Well, now now we are talking about Charles. Um, so <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Charles, what the heck were you thinking? Uh, that was ironic. Um, no. So this year, Charles spent 99 on wide receivers, including his keeper for 32. Um, and then he went after Stefan Diggs uh, for 59 early. So uh, Charles just has an affinity for guys who played on the Vikings. Uh, Justin mm, Jefferson, clearly. Dalvin Trick, Stefan Diggs. Uh, he, he's, he's got all the Viking studs, even though Diggs is on the Vikings anymore. Um, uh, he did not do uh, a lot more after that because he was almost out of money. The um, After Josh Allen at quarterback for 27, then the only other player he can spend more than a dollar on was Kareem Hunt for four. Um, and then he went for a lot of $1 players. Um, I do like um, several of the $1 players that he got. I think same same as um, as Brock, he did go for some upside here um, with like KJ Hamler. And I think even just looking at starting the season, I think Sammy Watkins is going to be you know, good early in the season because it looks like Alan Lazard might have an injury. He might miss um, week one. We'll see about that. But uh, I think, you know, he's done enough to fill out the starting lineup um, in uh, week one. He definitely has that core uh, four guys that he spent money on and didn't really spend on anyone else. Mm -hmm. um, and an interesting strategic decision was that he nominated DeAndre Hopkins early and got him for $4. And I think obviously that was someone he was targeting. So what do you think about that strategy? Um, if you think about, you know, Hopkins is suspended for the first six games of the season. Yeah. Well, what would he have gone for if he wasn't suspended at all? And then Charles went for four and just, you know, wait out the first six games yeah. and then did him back. What, what do you think about well, that? Well, based on our wide spending, I think he would have gone for, for more than I expected him to, for sure. If he wasn't uh, suspended. Uh, maybe north of $25, $30. I don't know. I, that is a really good pick. And uh, he's obviously banking him for, for later. But what surprised me the most about Charles' draft is that uh, historically, Charles has been big spender early on. His, his tilt chart has always been uh, very uh, 
you know, on the nose, very front heavy uh, on spending. And he's been very content with that. And that's how he gets his superstar power early on and then kind of sits back and then cherry picks targets. Uh, and this was different. It, he, he almost shook me a little bit as much as he was slow playing me. I was like, what, what is he doing over here? Uh, like, spend some money, dude. And he ended up coming in with uh, the picks that he, I believe, was clearly targeting. But he felt much more methodical to me this year uh, than I've seen. And so I think he had some really good draft chops. What would you value DeAndre at? Uh, if he was not suspended, I think he would be similar to, like, Keenan Allen, um, you know, there's going to be a, a little bit of an older wide receiver, but he's on a team that's going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he should be a, a top wide receiver on that team. So I don't know, somewhere in that, you know, $25 to $30 range, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you, you weigh that six weeks, you get yourself $20 of value. Yeah. Um, and just got to get some, got to get some W's in those first six weeks. So they'll be interesting to see how that plays out um, and then see how strongly Hopkins comes back as well. Um, overall, I think that he has a, a good team, a strong team, a very Charles like team. It's not, uh, you know, it's not sizzling, but it's not a bad team and I would happily take it. I have him ranked, uh, with a B minus. This is a very Charles like team. I'm going to give him a B plus, um, because you know, it's what I, it's probably not the team I had drafted, but I think he will do well with it. So, um, yep, I'm gonna go with a B plus because right. overall, if I look at you know how I rated his players and, and the you know price he spent, I think he uh, he did a good job um, with with his draft. Nice. All right, uh, moving on to Scott, who I think also uh, did a good job with his draft and ended up with a, a strong team. Uh, he started with $210 of a draft budget. And then he also, uh, by my valuations, he had the best keeper in terms of price kept for compared to the value um, he would have had to pay for that guy. So Jamar Chase for 15. Um, I think it was a great keeper. Uh, and then I think he put some of those surplus dollars, um, both with his starting budget and his keeper. Uh, he put them to work with um, some guys like DeAndre Swift. Uh, for 62, which is higher than I would have paid uh, Mike Williams for 44. The bidding there got kind of crazy. I think Mike Williams is like the last of the you know top 15 wide receivers available. And I think lots of people were going for him. So you know about 44, which was similar to like what Devontae Adams went mm-hmm. um for and you know more than Tyree Kill went for. So it's um you know some unchartered territory for Mike Williams there. Uh, but I like that scene overall. I think he's got um, he's got two good running backs. Uh, I think his his weak spot is tight end, maybe quarterback, depending on how Tom Brady does this year. Um, but I think he's strong to running back and wide receiver. Um, so I do like Scott's team. I really like Scott's team, and and we've commented even. I remember last year he had a great ranked team, and he's been doing the research and really going steady for the draft. He had a great draft overall. I appreciate his his effort in, in terms of who he was picking up. Um, he was lowest on value ranking this year for me at a negative $24 spent. But I look at his team and I go, yeah, but he's got a, a great team. Like where he spent money, I think, is, is very acceptable. Um, I'm iffy on maybe one or two of his later pickups. 
Um, but overall, I think that he has a strong uh, uh, run ahead of him, and I've got him ranked fifth this year with a B plus. I've got him with a B. All right, moving on to Derek. Uh, Derek uh, kept James Conner for five dollars. Uh, he spent uh, for Travis Kelsey and uh, stacked him with Patrick Mahomes. That's not cool. Don't see yeah. stacks too often, but nice to see the quarterback and his top pass catcher on the same team. So yep. that should be fun to watch. And I hope I play Derek Jones by on the Chiefs bye week. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he got Alvin Kamara, Keenan Allen, um, some of his biggest spins. Uh, so a couple of spins, you know, later on, I don't love... Um, like Antonio Gibson for eight, Adam Thielen for 10. But I think that's just my bias um, against those players um, or towards those players. Um, you know, a couple later picks I like. He's got Justin Fields, uh, potential uh, backup quarterback, and Romeo Dobbs for Green Bay rookie wide receiver. Those could be um, some good picks there. Um, but overall, I'd say it's pretty, um, pretty middle of the road draft for me. Um, uh, I think. He spent a lot on Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as, as far as Keenan Allen being the top wide receiver, I don't know if I would have spent that much on him. Um, so uh, I, I think this is more about my bias against some of these players than anything, but uh, yeah. middle of the road, slightly below average draft for me. Okay. So I'm I'm warmer on his team than you are then. And again, I think you're right. I think there's some bias in there. Like I look at his team, first of all, he did a great job drafting, and I've got him ranked third in value. Um, but I like his picks. I think that even some of his picks where he got value are really strong, um, where he may have underpaid uh, for a few um, players. I, I think that even like if you take Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and say, hey, he spent $50 on both, that's a win. Uh, that is a, a affordable purchase for that pair. And I like Devonta Smith. I like Adam Thielen. I always have. Um, I, I like Justin Fields this year. I, I think that he has a really, really, really strong uh, draft. I think it's well-balanced all the way down. And because of that, I've got him ranked third, and I gave him an A. All right. I gave him a B minus, so definitely a definitely a disparity on how we feel about Derek Strafford. Yep. All right, moving on. Next was me. I kept Kyle Pitts for thirteen dollars. Um, I ended up with two dollars left over at the end of the draft, which I don't know if I ever ever really had any money left over at the end of the draft. Um, I got yeah, no, it's crazy. I got um, Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne at running back, CeeDee Lamb, Hunter Renfro, Darnell movie at uh, wide receiver. Uh, obviously Pitts at tight end and Trey Lance at quarterback. Um, so I don't know if I love all my players. I do. I, I did feel, um, I, I did feel pretty good coming out of the draft in terms of how I managed my budget. How it kind of stuck. Uh, I, I didn't really stick exactly to a plan, but uh, similar archetypes of the plan um, in terms of where I spent and where I pivoted from the plan. It was because it was where I thought there was value in the room. And um, so uh, I ended up, you know, liking the value I got for my team, even though there's some players where it's like, oh, didn't expect to take him. Um, and if I could have traded Jonathan Taylor for Christian McCaffrey at 64, I would have gladly done so since they yeah. went for the same price. It's just that Taylor was on the block first, and I thought McCaffrey would go for north of $70 uh, once right. he was up. So I jumped on it while I could. Um, 
similar for ETN. I didn't intend to go for under $30. And so I jumped mm-hmm. on that while I could as well. Yeah. So. I think you got, you got some great value buys and I look at some of your players and I go, yeah, he should have been bankrupt by this point in his draft. <laughs> and he, he wasn't, that's frustrating. Uh, but good on you for uh, snagging Jonathan Taylor. I do think you overpaid. Sorry. I do think you overpaid for CD lamb. How do you feel about CD lamb? Is he worth $47 to you? I had him valued at 46. So okay. um, yeah, he, I think he's going to be a top five wide receiver, maybe a, a like the number three wide receiver this year, just nice. because he's going to get so many targets and Dak's a good quarterback. I think the Cowboys have a pretty good offense in terms of uh, scheme and plan. So I, I think CD could explode this year. So mm-hmm. I wanted, I, I, I was targeting him as the top wide receiver I wanted, um, oh, especially after, after seeing Dave still for 59 um, I had digs a little bit ahead of lamb in terms of where I valued him, but not that much. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that was at the point of the draft where I was like, I, uh, I had to spend my money to get a top player, um, or I would regret it later. Um, or I, I wanted, I wanted more of the top players than more of the balanced, um, mm-hmm. draft later on. Gotcha. So. No, I, I, I like him as a pick. Don't get me wrong. I just think you maybe I'm, splitting hairs here maybe seven eight dollars of of loss there but uh i agree especially on their offense i mean there's a reason i overpaid for dalton schultz uh was because i believe that their their pass catchers are going to get lit up this year so uh i i I like your team i uh i don't think that you uh I don't. I, I when you got Jonathan Taylor for for sixty four bucks, that was when I wanted to shoot myself. I'm like, well, all right, that was all I needed to see, <laughs> and now I know. Now I know that I was so wrong. Uh, but I uh, I like that you got Trey Lance. I think he's kind of the darling quarterback of of this season. Now your 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 keeper was a great keeper. You got about four bucks of value by the, by the math on fantasy pros. But uh, in terms of actual value and what we noted on tight ends this year, in terms of our spending and seeing an, an uptick or rather seeing a, 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 a tighter uh, discrepancy between the number one tight end and then the number two, three, four, five, et cetera. It feels like tight end value has increased even more this year. So what was your thinking in your keeper? Do you agree? Did that kind of uh, come out of the tight end situation this season, especially? That was 100%. I was originally thinking of keeping a wide receiver. I had some good options with Marquise Brown uh, Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore all for two or $3. And so I was really just thinking of taking them. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I started doing research, you know, about a week before the draft, I was seeing what the tight end landscape looked like and realizing I, I had been thinking pits would go for like low $20, yeah. um, range. But when I started doing research, it's like, no, nah, he's going to go on for like 35 yeah. Dollars and I really like this, and so I I wanted to have him. So um, keeping him for thirteen was worth it to kind of lock in what I think is the top three um, player at a position where there is scarcity, um, where there are a lot of wide receivers, um, but there's not very many tight ends that you want to have. So um, I I thought that was uh, totally worth it to pay a little more on the keeper and uh, get that stronger player at a um, 
more rare position. Yeah, I think that was the right call. And I heard from more than one manager the frustration that the pool of tight ends we want was even less than than what it could have been because you you pulled Kyle Pitts. I think that was a, a really really wise move based on scarcity. Well done, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Um, uh, other than that, I I don't think. I mean, you've got you've got a couple of of number ones. You've got well, top tens really in terms of you got Jonathan Taylor. You have CD Lamb. You've got uh, a great tight end. Beyond that, I I don't think you are as balanced as maybe you would want to be. Um, I think that you have more um, potential in in a lot of upside, but um, I don't necessarily think that you have. Like I look at your bench and I I see uh, some holes in your flex. And so uh, I have you ranked uh, pretty low in power rankings, but in terms of strength of team, I've given you a B minus. I gave myself an A minus, um, but you know, I always like your team more than anyone else. So, um, all right, moving on to Jared, who started with $191 of value. He kept Cooper Cup for 26. Um, his first pick was Devontae Adams for 45. Uh, he also got DJ Moore for 32. I love DJ Moore this year, yeah, so I, 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 lo- I lo- love his love his wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got Aaron Jones running back, and then some um, just some guys at the RB two spot. Uh, love Mark Jackson at quarterback and Irv Smith at tight end. Um, so this one, um, I thought this uh, this is a strong draft for Jerry, especially starting with 191. dollars I think he yeah. um, made made good use of it. Uh, he actually had $3 left over at the end of the draft, which was um, kind of ironic since he started with less. Um, so he was re- really budgeting, um, pinching those pennies. And um, I, I, I think yeah, he came absolutely. out with a, a really good team, especially given the strength of his, his wide receivers. So obviously I think, you know, tight ends. Um, I like Irv Smith. I don't know if he's going to be a strength, but um, tight end looks like the weakest spot to start the season on paper. Um, and maybe maybe the the flex one flex two um, positions uh, there's not as much upside there uh, like Jacoby Myers and Tyler Boyd are kind of safe um, safe guys not really gonna explode for you though um, I think so a um, l- little bit less upside but um, uh, overall uh, a strong team across the board for me yeah I I gave Jared my top draft chops he had a masterful draft. Uh, he went with a very balanced, steady approach. He turned his exceptional value in Cooper Cup keeping uh, by the numbers about $32 compared to Fantasy Pros. And he budgeted all the way through. He's ranked number one in value for his draft. And uh, he, he really over overspent on DJ Moore by the, the comparison to Fantasy Pros. But I think that he paid on the money for, for that. And that was a great pickup. So uh, I would say dollar for dollar uh, masterful draft, but it is a balanced draft. So he doesn't have the star power. So for that, he's ranked fourth, but in terms of, of team overall, I gave him an a minus. I gave him an a. All right. Uh, two teams left. Uh, Brian Tidd, who uh, kept Michael Pittman for $6. He started with $193 of budget and he definitely had a similar approach to Chris Windsor of um, Brian never spent more than $26 on any one player. Um, so he, he got a really balanced team. Um, you know, he spent well on his wide receivers. Uh, he ended up with, I'd say, six wide receivers that I like um, quite a bit. 
Um, and so he's definitely able to fill out his his starting wide receiver spots, his flex spots with um, some some good players. Uh, you do have to question about the upside um, a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, w- when you're not spending more than twenty six on any one player, but definitely to be a, a strong team. Um, the running backs are a little bit weaker. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, um, Miles Sanders. I don't, I don't love any of those guys this year. Um, R- Ramondre Stevenson and Daryl Henderson that might be a little bit more intriguing to me, but that's just based on you know how much they went for versus what they might produce. Um, then uh, Russell Wilson at quarterback for twenty five dollars was uh, mentioned earlier, but that's the second highest price. Yeah. Question paid on, on quarterback question on that. Yep. yeah <clears throat> but uh he, he really wanted to stack russell wilson with Cortland sudden and sure. brock really wanted to stack russell wilson with jerry judy and they got into a bidding more over and they both had money so it was uh it was just funny how that worked out yeah um but yeah i think it's a i think it's a good team from brian i, I definitely give him kudos where i think the first hour of the draft he felt like he totally screwed it up and uh he, he came back strong after the after we took a break yes. and uh turn things around and uh, end up with a good team. Yes, that is exactly right. He started off struggling. He regrouped and turned it into a fine draft. Uh, He doesn't have uh, a lot of players that I love. Um, He's got players that are going to, I think, bring him um, some middle of the road, maybe hopefully just above average points week to week. But uh, like you said, there's more question on a few, and, and I wonder about the upside. Um, I I think he, in terms of player knowledge, he's one of the most brilliant fantasy football guys I know. He just can rattle off strengths and, and depth charts and uh, upsides across the whole NFL. Um, and I just think that he got tripped up and it took him a little bit to recover and it got in his head. But uh, And because of that, he ended up with players that at one point had starting power, but at this point, I, I just see only a couple that I would say are uh, going to be, you can actually rely on uh, fully week to week. I do like Cortland Sutton, and I do think it's good that he paired, but obviously a lot of money spent on that. Um, but because of that, I gave his team a C-, and by the power ranking numbers, he's ranked 12th. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm uh, higher on the C-. I gave him a B. Um, I could be talked into a B- there, but I gave him a B. All right, last team, Jared Fleming. Uh, he started with $207 of draft budget. He had the worst keeper options, I would say. Uh, he kept DK Metcalf for $13, but there was really nothing else he could do is either keep Metcalf or um, keep no one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, find a lock in a, a wide receiver and, and as a keeper anyway. Um, and then he took Christian McCaffrey for 64. I hated to see McCaffrey go for 64, especially after I had just spent 64 for Jonathan Taylor, two picks Let's before. Let's talk about that some more. I, I, I really like that. <laughs> I was really surprised that Chris Windsor didn't go for 64, especially because Windsor and Jared Fleming they ended the, up in, yeah. they were in bidding wars all the time. Yes. Like They kept being in bidding wars, and yes. I was surprised there wasn't more of a bidding war for McCaffrey. I think um, that Chris is a little like stung on how much he's gone all in on McCaffrey only to, I think he's tired of, of McCaffrey getting hurt. I do. I, I don't know. I mean, he, he never really had the uh, McCaffrey getting hurt season. Maybe, maybe the last season he kept because he was his keeper and he lo- loved him as a keeper for a couple of years, but maybe his last season he did get hurt. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's a risk when you, when you put that much of your, 
auction dollars towards one player if they did hurt it, it really hurts i i experienced it last year with mccaffrey so yep. um but I, I really thought he would go for more than than 70 um and uh so that was a bummer seeing him go for 64 uh the other whoopsie in jared's draft not a mistake by jared a mistake by everyone else in the room k makers went for four dollars uh, we all well, well hang on that was not a mistake by everybody else in the room that was a mistake by peter elwood that distracted everybody else in the room <laughs> Let's be really clear I, I, on that. That was your fault. Are, are we not allowed to talk during the draft at all? I mean, we won't have to sit in total silence. It's not a library. But uh, just as someone's talking. You literally up, called uh, attention to yourself. And, I, I did not. Oh. did not. I don't remember. What was the question? It's, it's all right. You got smote by the uh, the fantasy gods later on when you could no longer bid on, <laughs> on a certain position. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I didn't mention that yeah. technical difficulties, yeah. but we, we worked through it all as, as a group. And uh, that hopefully, was your, your penance. Hopefully, K Majors for $4 does not come back to bite us all um, here. But well, uh, that, that was a, a good pick by Jared. And yeah, I, I definitely think. Everyone else fell asleep at the wheel from that's moment. not what happened, but it's it's it, def- <laughs> <laughs> it definitely gave uh, him a, maybe maybe someone shouted, Look over there, yeah. it, but uh huh, it definitely gave the, him a the boost. Eyes, the eyes were not on the road one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely gave him a boost in the values rankings. Uh, it brought him up to second, but he didn't really need that. He was already cruising, he has the strongest power ranking team by my math. And I think he he just killed it. Uh, he spent money where uh, it was uh, good to to overspend a little bit. He saved money on a couple of key players. I, I like uh, Tony Pollard as a, an eleven dollar buy. Um, I just I respect the snot out of his ability to get in there and, and make stuff happen. And, and I did see him get into a couple of bidding wars with his cousin. But I think he came out on top. I've got him ranked number one, and he's an A plus. Um, yeah, I, I uh, I'll just think the weakest spot here is tight end. He's got Zach Ertz, um, who I don't really like this year. Um, uh, just because I think he's stiff and old at this True. point. Uh, but he did also stack his tight end with Kyler Murray, which um, I think is cool. We've got like three teams who have a, a stack between quarterback and a top. Uh, pass catcher on their team so um that's fun to see but i gave him a b plus i think it was a really really solid draft but i'm apparently being pretty stingy on the a's this year but i think i think that's um i think that's just how the draft went i think everyone ended up with um you know the majority there's a a solid team and i've got more b's than anything else i did Um, i tried to distribute i've got four a's i've got five b's and three c's yeah yeah you did you did good i've got Two A's, I've got seven in the B range, two C's, two C's and a D. Yeah, so uh, de- de- definitely more 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 B's than anything for me. You are being stingy, sir. Yep, yep. But uh, a, a lot of good drafts, you know, a lot, a lot of drafts were... How many C's? Uh, How many C's do you have? Two C's. It would not have killed you to give me a C. Good Lord. Just uh, had I, to thumb my eye. Okay. I wasn't trying to put a thumb in your eye. I was just being honest. I, I'm pandering for you a little bit here. You got work to do. All right. I'll tell you, I'll receive that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very good draft. Very good draft recap. Let's uh, wrap it up and get out of here. All right. Well, that technical difficulty aside, I believe that uh, Sleeper continues to be a phenomenal tool. I, I am going to send them an email about that bug as well as their time clock issue. I think it's a little annoying that we can't thread 
uh, I, I've heard from I heard from Chewy. I heard from I know that Brian was experiencing it. I know that I was experiencing it. There were a couple of of under two second clicks that were not registering as a bid. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's really frustrating, especially when we're all in the same room and relying on our our like one person's clock as a timer, uh, you know, audibly. So that's something they need to tighten up. I'm going to send them that. But other than that, I can't be too critical. Obviously, you can be a little bit more critical if you wanted to, because you had a bug that I would call a critical failure uh, on their part mm-hmm. that they let go into the draft. That would have been a that NASA would not have launched a shuttle uh, <laughs> if they were aware of that. So. Uh, sorry about that, but you you accounted uh, for it in terms of your own draft. Well, it just took your ability to do much for you know late late round uh, budget enforcement or value enforcement to to yeah. come into play there. Sorry about that. But overall, uh, once again, our league demonstrates that it is uh, incredibly strong and adept, and we are looking at a a pretty good. Uh, run. I don't have doubt that everybody, with maybe the exception of me as it stands right now, and here we go pandering, uh, has the potential to have a winning record right off the bat. And I believe that uh, I'm going to start filming today for 2023. How's that for pander? Yeah, it's a strong one. Yeah. I got to get ahead well, on it. Hey, pandering is what we do, right? That's what we do here in the greatest fantasy football league in the world. This is its podcast. This is Peter Ellen. I'm Seth Martin. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>